0: You can have it all, God. You can have it all. The amount of times that I've prayed that prayer in my life. God, you can have it all. But then we find that sometimes when we pray that prayer, we don't really mean it? You can have it all, God, except for this. You can have it all, God, except for that. You know, if, you, if you're saying to God, you can have it all, but you don't really mean it, you're setting yourself up for a problem. Sometimes we say you can have it all while hoping that he won't take it all. You ever see people do that? They're like offer something to you that they know you don't want but they look good because they offered it to you but you don't want it anyway. Now everybody looks good. But what happens when they offer something to you that they didn't think you want but then you take it, then they're like, oh, oh, (laughs) what's going on here? And we do that with God all the time. You can have it all, God. And he's like, oh, thank you, I'm gonna take that. We're like, what? So many people give their lives to Christ saying, you can have it all, but they don't at all mean it. They mean, you can have everything except for this. I'll give my life to God so long as this part of my life doesn't ever have to change. And what I find is if there's something that you want to hold on to, something you don't really mean it, something you don't want to give God, but you said that he can have it, he's going to come for it. Come on now. If you said he can have it, but you don't want him to have it, that is something in your life that he's going to come right for. Because that little part of your life, that shows whether or not he is Lord or not of your life. So many people, they say things like, you can have it all. And we look super Christian because everybody can hear us singing, you can have it all. And when the song gets loud, we bellow it out. You can have it all. And we don't even mean it. What happens is then God comes to get it, but we got such a tight grip on it, we're going to hurt ourselves trying to hold on to it. Listen, when you mean you can have it all God everything gets blessed every area of your life that you give to God every area of your life that you allow God to meddle with will get blessed he will bless the giver he will bless the gift amen he will bless you he will bless that part of your life amen but listen to me let's not be the people that sing the song you can have it all God but we don't really mean it Today I'm gonna preach an entire sermon that's basically about that. Does God really get it all? Is God really allowed to touch any area of your life? Is God really allowed to speak to any situation in your life? Is God really the Lord of your life or is He the Lord or is He the the rule maker for a little part of your life but not really Lord? We're gonna talk about that today. Today I, I put a thing up online this week about what I'm preaching. Um, and uh, so who knows what I'm preaching this week? Can you yell it out? Three, two, one, go. Repent, Repent right? And so we can put that on the screen. I, I actually had our marketing, our graphic designer create this graphic for me. I think it was on Tuesday. I said, Steph, I, I want a graphic that is just old school fire and brimstone. Repent. Uh, do you think she nailed it? Yeah. I, wanted the, I wanted it to vibe that kind of turn or burn you know repent or you're gonna burn in hell I kind of wanted that vibe and uh, just just for the day you know just wanted you to experience that bring back a little old-school fire and brimstone kind of sermon and sermon graphic and you know what's crazy did anyone anyone live through the, you know like repent or burn in hell kind of phase in Christianity can I tell you that was better than what we have now no seriously Because if you don't repent, you will burn in hell. And and seriously. And so now, they may not have said it nicely, but did you know the message was true? Jesus said, if you, not just them, but if you, speaking to his disciples, if you don't repent, you will perish. And so it's true that if we don't repent, we will burn in hell. So if there's something that you don't do that would cause you to go to hell don't you think we ought to talk about it? if there's one thing you got to do to not go to hell eternal suffering a place made for the devil and his demons and we will end up there if we don't do it we ought to talk about that thing if we if I love you I ought to want to tell you about that if you love your neighbours you ought to want to tell them about that If you love your mom and dad or your sons and daughters or your brothers and sisters or or the people, if there's something that they can do to stop them from burning in hell, wouldn't you want to talk about it, right? Today we're going to talk about repentance. See, and here's the thing. Repentance is to eternal life what not cheating on your spouse is to marriage. It's part of the deal. When I got married, I said, I will not sleep with anyone else. And guess what? When you say yes to God, you're saying, I will repent of my sin. It is a part of the deal, amen? So today, I'm going to read a scripture to you. I'm going to We're going to go to Luke chapter 11. So uh, you can get that up on, get, uh, sorry, you can get that ready in your Bibles. Um, but let me just set this up for you first. Uh, firstly, by the way, I'm Jesse. Welcome to church. Everyone's like, man, it's my first time at Eternity Church. Repent, burn, you know. Uh, yeah, welcome. Um, I love you, so I've got a message that I know is going to bless you, all right? Uh, we, you know, again, like, like usually most weeks, we've got to climb a heavy mountain to get there, uh, but then we're going to have a great, a great time just coming down the slide at the other side. Um, but I do want to say, if you're new, welcome to Eternity Church. I'm glad that you're here. We've got a gift for you um, out there in the lobby on your way out the door. Please go get that. I want to welcome our friends in Audubon as well. We absolutely love you. We're so glad you're a part of the Eternity Church family. Love what God's doing. Love what God is doing in your city um, through a whole bunch of people that, want, that that are just like, you know what, we want to be a holy uh, set-apart, righteous church, preaching the Word and loving people. So love you. Glad you're there as well. God's doing great things out there. We're launching another campus in Olwine uh, on Easter weekend. That's going to be amazing. I also, in my text messages, have another announcement that I need to make, and that is on the on, on Sunday, the, I believe it's the 2nd of April, um, we've booked the theater. I don't have the times, though, that didn't arrive, um, but we've booked... Palms Theatre for two services um, to watch uh, in the afternoon to watch the Jesus Revolution uh, and here's what we're going to do. It's free, all right. But we, we we now you can come. But what we would love it if you would do is bring a friend, okay? We'd love it if you would bring a friend uh, with you, someone who's uh, you know, away from Christ, questioning their faith, or someone who's uh, never had a relationship with God, if you would bring them. At the end of it, I'm gonna get up uh, with a microphone and preach a salvation message for about five minutes, and we're just gonna believe that a ton of people are gonna give their lives to Christ uh, in, that, uh, in those two services. So, so please uh, just know about that, check out online. I believe that's next Sunday, right? next Sunday, awesome, so all right. So what we're gonna do today though, um, like I said, it's no secret what I'm preaching on, I put it online, we're talking about repentance. But before we do that, I wanna give you a heads up and I wanna clarify our church's position regarding repentance and forgiveness uh, because a local preacher preached a sermon that I believe muddied the waters on repentance and forgiveness. So today, I wanna preach a clarification and honestly, a direct rebuttal to that man's sermon. So to be clear, now I know I know that's intense. You're all like, "Wow, we're going to start doing like the John Wesley and the and the and the." Um whatever his name was, you know, firing darts back and forth from the pulpit. Um, But to be clear, he was wrong. I'm not saying he was malicious, but he definitely was wrong. And now I don't want to be the guy who infers that I'm talking about a preacher without being willing to name the preacher. Um, So I want to show you who it is uh, and then let you know why I want to set that right. So here's the preacher that preached the message uh, uh, a few years ago. And so his name is Jesse Newman, very skinny, uh, little runt. And um, that little guy who uh, used to have to run around in the shower just to get hit by the streams of water, um, that little guy preached a sermon uh, relating to repentance that that honestly I've been wanting to take back uh, for, uh, for four or five years now. And so um, it's been annoying me for a while. I want to rebut that. I want to admit that I was wrong and I want to correct and clarify that sermon. So today I'm going to preach um, a similar sermon, but the way it should have been preached uh, back then. It's not me. It's not harsh, but it is real and it is life-changing. But let me tell you this. Um, it is important that you know that I'm not your God. I'm not the author of your salvation. I am not the infallible Word of God. Uh, yes, I ordered do my best. Yes, I ought to never quit studying the Word of God and always pursue excellence in my craft. Um, And I'm not making excuses, but you do need to read the Word of God, okay? You need to read the Word of God come on, you need to read the Word of God, you need to study the Word of God, and um, and you need, and this is again why I think life groups are stupid and classes are important, because um, now we have trained people who are still training in the Word of God, so that when we open this new building in 18 months to 20 months or so, that we will have people ready to teach 8 to 15 different classes every week to teach you the Word of God, and you who study it yourself will be able to know whether what you're hearing lines up with the Word uh, and the Spirit of God in your life. Amen? So please read the Word of God. Let's go to um, to Luke chapter 11, verse 2 to 4. It says, if I can find it, there we go. It says, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, at eternity today, we mean it when we say you can have it all. Lord, you can have the pulpit, you can have a stage, you can have the seats, you can have the foyer, you can have kids church, you can have youth, you can have our men's ministry and our women's ministry, Lord God, you can have it all. Lord God, you can have our finances, you can have our families, you can have our hearts, you can have our minds, you can have our actions and our behavior. Lord God, we want you to speak to us and help us to line up our whole lives with your word. And we recognize that it's a journey. But Lord God, we don't want any part of our lives to be in submission to the world, but all of it in submission to you. Lord God, speak to us, reveal to us the areas of our lives that need to change and need to be realigned, we pray. Uh, But God, I pray today that as we all leave this place, you would look upon every one of us with joy. And that you would be grateful that we all came here today and opened up our hearts to this word. So God, I just pray for your help as I preach. Sustain my voice, my heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, are you hot? Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's hotter in hell. And you may take your seats. Come on now. Come on, turn to the person behind you and say, turn or burn. All right, You're sufficiently worried about hell now. All right, all right, all right. Hey, a few weeks ago I preached a sermon on saying sorry. Here in verse four, um, we see that Jesus said, "Say, forgive our sins." Okay, say, forgive our sins. So, a few weeks ago I passed. A, uh, sorry, I preached a sermon on saying sorry and. Uh, and forgiving, and and, and the first part of that was that we need to acknowledge that we actually did something wrong here, right? Like when you go say sorry to someone, um, sorry, when someone says sorry to you, and they don't even admit they did anything wrong, it's super frustrating, isn't it, right? Like, sorry that I said that, but it's because of how you spoke to me first. It's like, okay, so zero responsibility at all taken, right? Well, here, Jesus shows us it's the same with God, that he wants an apology, he wants us to ask him for forgiveness. Amen. And we need to acknowledge that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and ask for God's forgiveness. Now, obviously, you know, if you're on um, TikTok, uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else, well, if you're on TikTok, number one, the Communist Party of China knows where you are and what you're doing. Um, <coughs> but, um, but if you're on social media right now, um, you will have seen people talk about this once and for all final sacrifice on the cross, right? And so it can stir up some Uh, some interesting conversations or questions in your heart when I'm saying that you need to ask God for forgiveness for your sins. Excuse me, give me one moment. That's the black lung, pops. All right. Um, uh, Now, so it's the right questions like this, right? Um, Wasn't Jesus' sacrifice on the cross final? Didn't he say, it is what? Come on, it is what? It It is finished, right? Aren't all my sins, past, present, and future, aren't they forgiven? Didn't the act of Christ dying on the cross deal a bigger blow to Satan than Adam's original sin dealt to God? Didn't God say, as far as the east is from the west, <coughs> as far uh, is as far as he removes our transgressions from us? Doesn't the writer of Hebrews at the behest of the Holy Spirit remind us that God said, I will remember their sins no more, and if that's the case, if God remembers my sins no more why do I need to keep confessing and keep asking God to forgive my sins as I do more things wrong in my life and after I got saved, right? Are not my past, present, and future sins already forgiven? Is that not the case, right? And so it stirs up those questions, and honestly, the answer depends on what you mean when you ask, are my future sins already forgiven? Uh, And and so if, if by that you mean, Um, Do I no longer need to confess my sins? Then the answer is most certainly no. That's not what it means. You do need to confess your sins. But if you mean have my future sins already been atoned for, that means the price being paid for them, the slate wiped clean, are my future sins paid for? Well then the answer is a wonderful and absolutely resounding yes, right? The blood of Jesus Christ has paid the price for all of our sins. My past sins are paid for, today's sins are paid for, my future sins are paid for, because his blood was spilled once and for all, and it will not need to be spilled again. Y'all with me? First John 1, 9, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful uh, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanses us from all unrighteousness, right? And in this, um, John is isn't just referring to a one-time confession resulting in a one-time forgiveness. He's speaking of a forgiveness that's both conditional and ongoing. It's conditional in that it says, "If, if." Come on now, if we confess our sins, and then it's ongoing in that. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. And as we continue to walk in the light, y'all remember that DC talk song, right? I wanna be in the light. As you are in the light, I wanna shine like the stars in the heavens. Y'all didn't know you're coming to a DC talk concert today. You're welcome. That was free. Uh, but 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 like we all wanna be in the light, right? I want to walk in the light, and the thing about walking in the light is our eyes begin to adjust to the light, and we see our sins more clearly, and we, we, we do. We, we see them more clearly. We confess them, and as we confess them, God is faithful to forgive us over and over and over and over and over, and someone say, and over again, amen, amen. So the reason that even though the price is paid, that, that we still must confess our sins anyway, um, is because Jesus, it's, it's not just because Jesus said so. Okay? So, uh, well, he said so, right? But the reason that we must confess our sins, even though the price is paid, it's also that when we pray, forgive us our debts, it's not that we've lost our salvation and we need to be resaved. But confessing our sins reminds us that there is more to salvation than simply not going to hell. Come on now. It's not just about, well, now I'm saved and that's it. But that salvation also involves being sanctified. Okay, what's sanctification? Well, sanctification, there's an old school graphic that we learned um, in Bible college, and it's, it's a few hundred years old now. It's basic Christian doctrine in every denomination of Christianity, pretty much. And that is that, um, that I, I get saved, and, and, and I'm sanctified right now. I am sanctified, but I'm on a journey where I'm becoming sanctified. That is that I'm immediately sanctified, I'm whole, I'm righteous in God's eyes, but I'm becoming on earth what God says I am now. Does that make sense? And so, so salvation involves more than just being saved from hell, but it involves a sanctification process that over my life I will become what God says I am. Do you understand? And because we have become part of God's family, we are treated as sons and daughters, okay? But listen, yes, God as our judge chooses not to remember our sins. Now, I hope you realize this, but that does not mean that he forgot our sins. He did not forget your sins. God is omniscient. Omni-all, omniscient knowledge, meaning God knows all things. So if he knows all things, he knows your sins, okay? So God knows that you sinned. He knows it all. You praying a prayer, please forgive me, doesn't magically give God amnesia. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, you know, like men in black, look into the light, you know? That's not what, we're not like men in blacking, like light memory sticking God here when we pray, all right? He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He doesn't develop amnesia when you pray, but rather he chooses not to bring it up. Now listen, this God as judge has chosen to not let it affect Affect the way that he treats you. That's what it's talking about. See, you may have done awful things, but if you confess your sins, he's righteous to forgive and he will not remember your sins or count them against you as he deals with you. It's like you're in court, the judge sees that you have sinned, he sees you confess your sins, repent of your sins, and then Jesus comes in, pays the price for your sin. The judge hasn't forgotten who you are or what you did, but is satisfied that Jesus paid the price and when dealing with you will no longer deal with you like you sinned, but has chosen not to remember the sin in your sentencing. Yeah. Do you understand that, right? He won't treat you with a once bitten, twice shy kind of attitude. You sinned against God and now he's like, oh, what oh, I don't want to give them another go. Oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to be near. I don't want to let them in my house anymore. No, God is not once bitten, twice shy. If anything, God is twice bitten, not shy. That is, you sinned against him, his son died on a cross, and he still loves you and isn't shy about you anymore. Amen. Sometimes with my kids, we are a bit like that, right? Um, I I don't know. I think I've told the story before a few years ago about how one of my sons, Rolled up little balls of his own poo and uh, hid them in the closet, right? And um, and 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 they were perfectly round little balls of poo. It was amazing. I'm like, honestly, dude's got skills. I don't know how he made them so perfectly round. And one day we're like, it it does kind of stink in that closet. Now you laugh, like it's not. It wasn't like now. Like it's not like he was a grown-up kid. Was like 11 at the time. Relax, you know. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It was one of the kids, and they were like, I don't know, three or four. And, uh, but anyway, they hid this poo in the closet. The closet stank, it was disgusting. And then, and then we dealt with that, and, and now, now it's funny um, and when, we, when we laugh about it, but when we deal with that kid now, we don't treat him like a kid who rolls up balls of poo and puts them in his closet. It's in the past. We're renovating our house right now, and guess what? We're giving him another closet, okay? because we're not gonna treat him as if he's gonna put more poo in the closet. Y'all with me, right? And so God chooses not to bring up your past offenses, uh, he chooses not to bring them back to mind, and let's say, dealing with you, God, like he's commanded you to bring every thought captive, and right, God takes every thought captive and doesn't let your past offenses choose, uh, dictate the way that he's going to deal with you because you are repentant and, and you have confessed. Do you understand what I'm saying? How good is God? Right? How good is God, right? Now, God's a perfect God, so with with us, much deeper, painful offenses tend to make their way in anyway, but with God, none will. He will choose not to deal with you in response to your repented of, confessed sins, okay? Now, listen to me. That's God as judge. When God is judging how you need to be treated, what needs to happen in your life, he does not remember them against you. But listen, as your heavenly Father, okay, As your father, he is most definitely and absolutely aware of your sin. He is aware of your remaining sin. And he wants you to be aware of it as well so that you can fight it, kill it, overcome it, and ask him to forgive it. Listen to me. God knows about your sin. God sees. Hello, listen. God sees the remaining sin in your life. Life, You have not prayed a prayer that all of a sudden God doesn't know that you still have sin in your life. Listen to me. God sees your sin. God hates your sin. God wants you to know about it and God will even talk to you about it. Hello. Come on now. He will convict you of your sin. Now God sees our sin as a loving father, not as an angry judge. That's why the the Lord's prayer begins with our father, not our judge, our Lord, or whatever else. So here's the thing though, the cool thing is, like you're a believer, you've been saved for many years now, or you know, just pretending, maybe you're a brand new Christian, but listen, maybe you've been saved for five, ten years. Obviously, all the way along there, there's been sin and different struggles that you've had to overcome in your life, um, new struggles you never thought you'd have to deal with and then you responded poorly and have to repent. Um, But in those moments, and this is the beautiful thing about being a son or a daughter of God, in those moments we pray our prayer of confession from inside the family of God, not from outside the family trying to get back in. Okay, so you're still saved, come on now. Come on, you're still saved. Do you still believe in him as Lord of your life? Do you still want him in control of your life? Listen, you're still saved and and you haven't been banished. You're not outside trying to get back in. You're inside asking for help. Amen. He's our father. When my kids sin against me, I want them to recognize it. I want them to come and ask me for forgiveness. I want them to apologize. I want them to commit to a better way of behaving as they move forward. But listen, even after more sin in their lives, they still come to me as their father, not as the man that used to be their father. I'm still their father, all right? Uh, I, and even, listen, before they even get there, I've already chosen, I already know I'm going to forgive my sons. I'm going to forgive my daughter. But as a father, I want them to grow. I want them to do better. I want them living in freedom from the sins that have afflicted their lives. And so I want them taking responsibility, saying sorry, and I want them to change the behavior that offends me. I want them to change the behavior that offends God. I want them to change the behavior that's afflicting their lives so they can become all that I hoped that they can be in their lives, amen? So listen, to be clear, when you sin against God, you do need to confess your sins, amen? You may not remember all of them, you may not be able to name them all, but you do need a heart that's willing to say, Lord, please forgive my sins. And you know what, I used to not know how to pray that prayer very well, and I used to stay up late at night, thinking, oh, what if I don't remember something? And I read an old Puritan prayer journal that really helped me learn how to pray, and not everything in it is you know, uh, necessarily beneficial for everybody, but, but there were parts of it that were helpful for me. And it really taught me how to pray. And one of the parts was, it was, Lord, I confess my sins, and then I would name them. It'd be, I confess my sins, uh, known and unknown, remembered and forgotten. Lord God, help me to see the areas of my life where there is sin, and help me to help me to. Uh, I can't remember. I have victory over them. Help me to help me to to to, um, to grow in that area of my life. And I want to encourage you as well. To to, to name the sin that you know is happening. God, I I confess my anger. Help me, Lord God, to not be angry anymore. God, I confess all of my sin, known and unknown, and I ask for your forgiveness. Amen? And so, now I want to go, I want to look a little deeper at repentance though, all right? Now, are we called just to say I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness? Or does God want more from us and more for us, really, right? Right? So listen, God isn't just asking for an I'm sorry, but God is calling us to repentance, okay? In fact, in Matthew 4, we see that from the very moment that Jesus began his ministry, it even says this, that just from the moment that he began his ministry, he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He went on to say to the disciples, hey, repent, or you also will perish he went on to say repent 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 not just to ask for forgiveness not just to say that I'm sorry but to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and listen to me newsflash confessing or asking for forgiveness and repentance are not the same thing They are not the same thing. I can ask you to forgive me, but to repent is something different entirely. For most of the last two decades, the church seems to have skipped over repentance and focused only on asking for forgiveness or receiving forgiveness. And they've taught that repentance is simply asking for forgiveness. But repentance demands so much more from our lives than just asking God to forgive us. So I want to show you in both the Old Testament and the New what repentance is and what it means. So we can throw uh, the Hebrew word up on the screen right now. Leave that up for a little bit. That'd be great. So in the Hebrew, the word is pronounced in English, it's pronounced shuv. Someone say shuv. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, You need to shove. Okay? So, shove literally means to turn. And God says to turn from wickedness and to turn back to me and my ways. So, God is asking us to shove, to repent, to turn from wickedness, not just to say, Sorry for my wickedness, right? I cannot go like this. If the drum kit is wickedness, repentance cannot be illustrated like this. Um, Lord God, um, uh, I am sorry for the drum kit. I'm sorry I'm walking this way while I continue to walk this way. That's actually not repent. You may use the word repent, but that's not repentance, actually. Uh, If if this is the the path that I'm on, and this path is sinful, and this path is wrong, (coughs) and this specific area of my life, I have recognized and realized it's wrong, I cannot, it is not possible for me to shove while not turning. It is impossible for me to repent while still going this way. That doesn't mean that I might not go like this, and then ugh 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 you know like some of us we don't have power steering yet in our in our repentance and we're working on that and ugh, you know and but there is a a, a decision all right? Now, obviously, in application, it might be hard. That's what grace is for. We'll get there in a few moments. But there has got to be a decision that if I repent, I am changing direction. I am turning the steering wheel. Someone say amen. Let's roll to the Greek, all right? So now let's do Greek, okay? And so I used to know how to say this properly, uh, metaneo or something like that. Um, I couldn't remember, and I was going to teach myself how to say it again properly with all the noises and stuff, um, but I was sitting in, uh, in a cafe with headphones on. I thought that would have been weird uh, in there, and so I didn't, but, uh, but basically it's basically metaneo, and um, it means three things, to feel remorse, to change your mind, and to turn to change direction, okay? So we see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament. Listen, repentance demands change in your life. Hello? Repentance demands that there will be a change in my life, at least a decision that I will try to turn this thing away from where I was going, but not just to turn from, but to turn to. So let's go through this a little bit. Remorse, you can leave that up there for a little while. (coughs) Remorse. Uh, Now listen, remorse is not shame. They're not the same thing at all. Okay? I I don't walk in shame for the things that I wish didn't happen. Okay? Perhaps I did at some point, but God has delivered me from the shame. Um, Remorse, I wish I didn't hurt you. I, I wish I didn't hurt my dad. I wish I didn't hurt my brother, my sister, my sons, my daughters, whatever else. Uh, I, I wish that I didn't respond that way, all right? So we all hate to see a crook on a TV show or a movie that has no remorse, right? Well, like he don't even feel sorry. He's not even, he doesn't even regret doing that, right? And, uh, and, and God also hates to see uh, his sons and daughters do terrible things but show no remorse, Now, he doesn't want you living in shame. He doesn't want you walking around like a wounded dog that's scared to show your face around him anymore. No, 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 we can because our sin has been atoned for. We have confessed and repented um, and and we are working to change our lives. We are turning this ship around uh, and as we do that we can still boldly enter the throne room of God, right? And so we were allowed to boldly come into his presence. We don't need to act like a wounded dog but we do need to change, we do need our lives to change. Change your mind, that is, change your beliefs. Your beliefs are turning away from the cultures and the ways and the schemes of the world and your beliefs are beginning to line up with the word of God, God's ways and God's plans for your life, amen. Your mind is changing, you are being renewed in your mind, you have submitted yourself to that process and you are, you, you, as God is Lord of your life, you want Him to have it all. Amen. And so you're allowing God to work in your life. And in turn, you will then change your behavior uh, from the world to God. So God wants us to turn away from worldliness and turn toward righteousness. But not just toward righteousness, but toward God who is Our righteousness, amen. So, what what, what we're saying today is the church has got to stop preaching repentance free salvation because repentance free salvation does not exist. It doesn't exist. I don't know about you, but I am sick, I'm sick of it with my kids. Sorry, Dad, same thing. Sorry, Dad, same thing. Sorry, Dad, same thing. Sorry, 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 sorry. And this is like in 10 minutes. And they do the same thing on repeat, right? After a while, the sorry makes me angrier than the sin. Why? Because the sorry is a lie. Because they're not sorry at all. If they were sorry, there would be an attempt to change the behavior, right? Now, don't, now, not to pick on my kids. My kids are awesome, and they do work on changing the behavior. But there are moments and different times in their lives where they say sorry with no intent to do anything about it. Listen, if you ain't going to change, stop saying sorry. Because repentance isn't a word. It's something that you do. As I think about repentance, as I think about our church... We are a church that wants to see people's lives changed, okay? Uh, It is my hope that if you've been in this church for three years, your life is better now than it was then that your mind and your heart and your actions better represent God now than they did then, right? Uh, It's my hope that, uh, I know we have a lot of military families in our church, it's my hope that if you get stationed in Des Moines and you're here for two years, that something about what God is doing here that that just dragged you up and that you leave here and you go to your next assignment better than you came here. Because at Eternity Church, we don't demand perfection from anybody but our culture does demand growth amen we don't demand you be perfect not at all Nobody is, I'm not, I'm working on it, but there's something about a church that desires holiness and righteousness that the Spirit of God is able to move in people's lives and when you come to church at eternity, it is gonna be very difficult to stay the same. I want it to be hard for you to leave here the same as you came here. I want it to be so brutally, I want it to be, I want you to have to work harder to stay the same than you'd have to work to be transformed when you're at Eternity Church. Our culture demands growth in your life. Our culture demands growth in my life. Our culture demands growth in Riley's life. Our culture demands growth in Lauren's life. Come on now. Our culture demands growth. Amen. Someone say amen. Amen. As a believer, there should be a desire in your heart to live a life that turns. To live a life that turns. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. I have had to turn. I've had some hard addictions and battles to fight in my life. And I still want to fight them as they come up. I want to tell you, do not stop fighting, amen? Do not stop turning, all right? You may have been saved for a long time and feel like, oh, it's only been minor things. And then out of the blue, there's this giant thing in your life that wants to consume your thoughts, your time, your actions, and you know it's wrong. Don't stop turning. Don't stop turning, amen? You know what, hypocrites aren't people who have problems in their lives and say that the problem's bad. Hypocrites aren't people that hold up the word of God and say this then is how we ought to live while struggling to get there themselves. That's not a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who holds this up but isn't willing to keep turning. Amen? Isn't willing to keep trying, amen? I still have to turn. Recently, all right, I'm your pastor, okay? Some of you are gonna regret this in a minute. Recently, I wanted to beat the living snot out of somebody for a month or two. (laughs) No, I did. And when I say that, you're like, oh, we've all wanted to. No, I would be in the car, and in my mind, I am imagining an opportunity to beat the living crap out of them. I wanted to feel their blood on my fist. I would think about it. I wanted them, I wanted to feel the pain in my own hand as I beat the snot out of this person. And I'm your pastor. (laughs) Aren't you blessed? (laughs) And I don't mean for one day, I mean for a long time, I wanted to beat this person. It was a while back now, but like within the last couple of years, okay? And it took a daily turning. I let it control my thought life for a while where I'd be like, oh, I hope I run into them here today. I hope I run into them there today. I hope they come near me today because I'm gonna beat the snot out of this person. Anyone ever had the mo- that sort of thing in your life where you're like, man, I want to, and I will. You know, and I will. It's not okay. It's not okay. I'm not talking like the moment where you're, you know, where you're like, um, like on Taken where you're like, I'm just thinking about how I would defend my family. No, I had a specific victim (laughs) that I wanted to beat the snot out of. And it consumed my thought for a long time. I would be working out, and as I'm working out, I'm like, I know I'm strong. I'm gonna get stronger, because I want this to hurt, you know? Started to motivate other things in my life, and not in a healthy way. Took a daily turning once I realized that I was in sin to stop that, and to stop thinking about that. But here's the thing, after that, for a number of months, there was this weird desire in my heart to just fight anyone. And I don't mean on Instagram where weak people go to fight people. I mean like in the real world, where I'd be walking around and just, and again, it's not like Taken where it's like, you know, thinking about how I would defend my family, you know. But like literally where I'm walking around hoping somebody, anybody would do something to me. That legally warrants a beating so I could have a fight. I was, I, I was so angry, and I, 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 didn't even, I, I didn't even care if I get hurt so long as I get to punch someone. Yeah, I'm your pastor. It's not healthy. I had to keep turning my thoughts from rage and violence to peace and forgiveness. Rage and violence to peace and forgiveness. Now, admittedly, the guy needed something to happen, but I needed to change my heart from rage and violence to peace and forgiveness. And I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. This rage, this anger, this need to fight cannot be given into. And it cannot, it cannot get a foothold in my life. How long are we gonna let the devil run, roam around and control our thought life? Just one more drive into town? Devil, you can have one more drive into town. Devil, you can have one. You can have one more hour, drivers for for an hour. You can run rampant in my mind as I imagine myself giving in to what you want me to do right now. Oh yeah, how how much more time is the devil going to get in your head? How much more time are you gonna are you gonna entertain his thoughts, his desires, right? How how much longer? Oh yeah, just for one more, ten more minutes, devil. You can you can you can you can. You know, I'll entertain these thoughts of adultery, these thoughts of lust, these, these thoughts of vengeance, these thoughts of violence, whatever it is, 10 more minutes, and then, and, then, and, then, and then the next day, devil, you can have 10 more minutes, and then the next day, devil, you can have 20 minutes, and the next day, devil, you can have 45 minutes, and we wonder why we're stuck on a path, because we keep giving the devil 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes in our minds. No, 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 no. We need to shove. We need to take our thoughts captive, Amen. There's always someone that you will find that tells you your sin's okay. There's always someone that you will find that tell you that your sin's not wrong, that God doesn't care what you do. God's not interested in your behavior. You're a Christian now. That's what grace is for. Go ahead and beat that guy up. Go ahead and think about that violence. Go ahead and think about that vengeance. Go ahead and think about that adultery. Go ahead and behave in this ungodly way. That's what grace is for. But no, grace is not so that you can sin. Grace is so that you can shove. That is that you can turn from your sin. Grace sustains your salvation while you're working to turn from your sin. Maybe the best way to explain what grace is for is this from the moment that I understand, because I'm walking in the light and I have realized that this thing in my life is sinful and grace will sustain my salvation from the moment I realize there's sin in my life all the way on the journey as I keep trying to overcome the sin. And grace keeps me in the family of God through the struggle, amen? Why would you want to keep hurting your father anyway? If something offends God and just because he's gracious anyway, why would you want to? Why, would you wanna, why wouldn't you want to turn toward God? Why wouldn't you want to honor him? Why wouldn't you be grateful for his mercy and for his grace and use his grace for transformation instead of, uh, instead of degradation? Come on now. Come on, God's ways are better. His plans are better. The joy of the Lord is better than the joy of the world. The happiness that comes from following the Lord is better. He's a good father. He wants you to live a holy life, not just because it makes him feel better, but because it's better for you, amen? It's better not being a drunk come on now, it's better not being addicted to porn. It's better having control over your thought life, it's better not being a slave to heroin. It's better not being bitter in your heart, it's better not being homosexual, it's better not being confused about your gender, it's better when you don't lie to people. It's better when people trust you more, it's better when you don't steal, it's better when you earn your way, it's better when you stay married, it's better when you don't cuss people out, it's better when you don't put curses on people's lives. It's better when you tithe. It's better when you're bold. It's better when you get healing in your life. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Come on, his ways are better. Amen. His ways are better. Now I'm going to get ready to close soon. And I skipped over a little bit because last night I went 28 minutes over. But they told me to. They were, they were calling for it, for real, All right? But listen, here's the thing. Once you get to the moment where you realize, I need to repent, I need to shove, and I gotta shove, and I gotta shove, I need to turn, and I need to, and, I, I, and I need to change my mind and my behavior, I need to line my life up with God. The, the good news is this, God actually wants to forgive you. No, God wants to forgive you. He's looking for an excuse to forgive. He's not looking for reasons to punish. God's not out there going, just give me one reason to punish them. No, he's saying, just give me one reason not to. He's looking for a reason not to send you to hell. Amen? The more time you spend with God, the more you get to know his nature. Am I right? 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 Like the the longer you're a believer, the more you get to know God's heart, the more you know how he will or would respond, to this situation, or how God would respond to that situation. The more you read his word, the, the better you know his thoughts on certain subjects. The more time you spend with him, the more you become like him, right? It's like when your mom and dad used to say, stop hanging out with, with Billy Bob. Uh, he, he's a bad influence. You're going to become like him. And you know what? The, the more time you spend with God, the more you're going to become like God, amen? And, uh, the, the, and I, by that I mean that, that his ways and his plans and behaviors, amen? And I remember a few years ago, um, just to illustrate how you just know what God's gonna do. Like the longer you're, you're, you're walking with God, you just know what God's gonna do, right? I remember a few years ago, I, had, I was in a particularly busy season. We we're finishing up our first major renovation right here at Eternity Church. That's when we built this stage and these chairs and stuff, it was about six years ago, I think. And, um, and then we were organizing a, a big event. We were hosting Michael Jr. And then on Tuesday uh, after that, Lauren and I went to New York uh, to hang out with Lauren's uncle and aunt who met us there as well. And vacations are fun. But anyone ever just need a vacation after vacation? Yes. Right? It's like, man, I wouldn't need this vacation if I didn't go on that vacation. You know what I mean? Well, we went to Brooklyn, we saw the Brooklyn Bridge, we Ubered around the city, and we walked for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, and we were carrying big fat Henry, and uh, if you knew Henry when he was little, that was one fat, Flippin' kid, right? Like, anyone remember that, right? Like, dude had tree trunks. Um, He ate like an elephant, and we carried him all around New York, Uh, and so we were exhausted from that. Then Saturday came around. We flew back into town, uh, and immediately I had to keep going over my sermon, getting ready to preach, Uh, and then after the service, after that service on Saturday night, um, I preached to a few people. I went to my office uh, and got ready to go home, uh, and I sat down and I thought to myself, wow, I'm tired. Now, uh, it's okay to be tired and want some rest, but my thing at that point, I was like, man, I just flip and hate people and they're annoying. You know, who's ever had those moments, right? And, uh, and you know when you have that, God's going to do something about it. You can have it all, Lord, I'm going to take it. You know, you, you, you know in that moment that God's going to come and mess up your plans, right? And so all I wanted to do was go to sleep, no talking, no walking, no nothing, nobody. No, I don't even want to talk to my wife. I want to go home. Well, here's the thing. There was a massive storm that day, massive storm, and our church parking lot was flooded. We had a big river down there, um, and, um, and many of our other roads, uh, sorry, many other roads were blocked as well, but it was raining, raining, raining. So as I'm driving home, um, uh, Lauren rings me, uh, and she's like, I'm stuck in the rain, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll, you know, she's my wife, I gotta at least care about her. So I'm like, all right, I'll go find her. And I don't understand it, she was in a suburban uh, and she was stuck, I was in a Malibu, but I wasn't stuck. So anyway, um, I'm not saying women can't drive, I'm just saying that one couldn't that night. And um, so anyway, so we, there, there she was, I, 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 she's in a big suburban, I'm in my Chevy Malibu at the time, and I rescue her. Right, and so I get her home, here you go honey, you're safe, yay, um, and, then, and then we get home and then my mom and sister, Bethany, who were visiting from Australia, they ring up because they're stuck somewhere in the storm as well. And so I jump in the Suburban this time, and I'm like, all right, I'm, and that, the, I think it was like a week old or something, right? It was a beautiful new Suburban, okay? And then so we go, I'm like, all right, I'll go find mom and Bethany because they were out because they wanted bebops at, in the middle of the night. And I go find them, and, I, and, and, I, and I, I'm looking for them. They're explaining where they are, but they don't know how to use technology, and, uh, and, they, and they're not from here. So I, I, I'm on my way to find them. I finally figure out where they are. As I'm driving, I'm thinking, God, you're not gonna let me go to sleep, are you? Like, you just don't want me to sleep. I know what you're like, no, I, I, I'm not kidding. I I remember this clear as day. I'm driving and I'm thinking and I'm saying to God, I know what you're like. You're going to show me some people that need help and I'm going to have to be that guy again, aren't <laughs> I? And as surely as I think those thoughts, I'm driving down the newly created Swanson River uh, just out here and I see two people wading through water in the dark as their car is overwhelmed with water and literally floating down the New River, and I think to myself, you know, nah, that, that wasn't people. <laughs> like, my, I just went home, I went and got my wife, and now I'm out looking for my sister and for my mom, and like, you know, you ever just get tempted to convince yourself, ah, don't make eye contact, it wasn't a person. Come on, anyone, come on, give me a wave, right? So I'm like, it's not a person, and I'm like, all right, fine, and God's like, you really gonna leave them? I'm like, God, I knew you would make me find someone that needs help. And I knew they would be soaking wet to get in this brand new suburban. (laughs) I knew it. So I think, all right, God, let's do this. Let's help these people. Obviously, this storm is getting far worse than I or anyone else thought. So use me. So I stop and I wind down the window. I'm like, it's pouring down rain. Get in the car. I'll take you home. So I say, righto. Where's home? And they say, Grimes. And I'm like, of course it is. (laughs) Of course it's not Valley West Drive. Of course it's not Valley Junction. It ain't even Waukee. It ain't even in the Metro. It's Grimes. And I know people in Grimes, you're like, it's the Metro. It's not the Metro. You don't live in the Des Moines Metro. You live somewhere else, out there. The, the, the name, the name of your city is Grimes? Like it's dirty. Ain't nobody want to go there when they're tired and need to go to sleep. Come on, go to Grimes? Come home, have a shower. Come on now, right? So I say to them, all right, I've got to find my mom, I've got to find my sister, and then we'll go to your grimy little town, all right? Does God do this to anybody else? Give me your hands up if you live in Grimes. Oops. (laughs) Didn't know we had you people here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's funny how the second I went back into a storm, I knew what God's heart for people in storms is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know God helps people in storms. This happened to me the other day as well. Um, uh, crew night, Tuesday night this week. I was um, really tired, because last week I was in New York again. Something about New York and just exhausting a person, right? It's probably all that ideologies over there, just attacking your spirit, you know? <laughs> but, um, but I was in New York and walking around, I was on my son's eighth grade um, um, history tour, so it was Boston, New York, DC. Phenomenal trip, and I gotta tell you, make time for your kids, right? I loved doing that with my son. Um, getting to know his teachers, his friends, their parents. It was an amazing trip. But I was really, really tired. I still hadn't had a chance to sleep past, you know, more than six hours in like a few, like a couple of weeks. And so um, on Tuesday night, I just went home. I'm like, I'm going home. And then I'm going to leave home, or the the, the farm that we're staying on. It's like 20, 30 minutes out of town. I'm going to leave that in time to go to the gym and ride my bike, for 45 minutes and then go straight to crew night. And crew night started at six, but I I was told that it would be okay if I'm not here till 6.30. So that was me that night. I'm like, I'm just gonna get here at 6.30. I need a bike ride, something to give me some energy. You know what I mean? Sure enough, on my way out there, there was a minivan parked on the side of the road with its hazard lights on on my way out to the farm. And I was like, he'll be right. And I kept going. I never do that. I'm always like, you're right, mate, need help. You know, you know, But, but anyway, I just kept going. Anyway, then about after I had a rest, I don't know, for maybe an hour or two, I, I, um, I pull out of the driveway and directly across the road, I just see this guy just start pulling over again, with his hazard lights on. And I'm like, I don't have time. <laughs> but for real, I'm like, I don't have, I've got, I've got enough time to have a bike ride and go to church and just have a great night. Because yeah, I was tired. On Monday, I got back late Sunday night. Monday, we, I had Chris, and so I had to look after a friend all day. And so I'm like, I don't have time. So I, I put my I indicators on. I turn right, and I just start heading back into town. And I'm like three seconds into it. It's like, really, you going to be that guy? I'm like, fine. Turn around. <laughs> go back. And, hey, man, need any help? Deal with that. But I find no matter, whenever I'm specifically not wanting to help people, God's like, He said I could have it all. So let's help some people. I I, I knew what was in God's heart, though. I always know what's in God's heart. And I knew God was going to do that. And the more you read the Word, the more you experience God in your life, the more you know God's heart to forgive. It's in His nature to forgive. I've learned that by watching Him. I've learned that by reading Him. It's in his nature to love, it's in his nature to help. It's like Jonah. You all know the story of Jonah. God's like, hey, go to Nineveh. I'm going to save them and I'm, I'm going to forgive them. Tell them to repent. I'm going to forgive them. It's going to be good. And Jonah's like, Phew. goes over this way, big fish, eat him up, baffs him out on the beach. He's like, fine, I'll go to Nineveh. I don't want to, this is stupid. They're evil. They're the worst people in the world. Everybody, everybody avoids this place, but fine, I'll go to this place destructive evil place so he goes there he says repent and they do and then god forgives them and jonah's ticked off jonah's like i knew you would forgive them because jonah also knew that it's in god's nature to forgive that god's not looking for opportunities to punish he's looking for opportunities to forgive it's like the woman caught in the act of adultery. It's, it's, it's like, okay, go and sin no longer. Your sins are forgiven. Like Zacchaeus in the tree, come on down. Like Joseph was an Old Testament picture of, of, of the coming New Testament Christ forgiving his brothers. It's in God's nature to forgive. So here's the beautiful thing. When you repent, know this. God wants to forgive you. God is looking for this moment so that he can choose to remember your sins against you no more. Amen. The last thing I want to tell you is this. When we talk about forgiveness, you, number one, you confess. You shove. You turn. You change. You make a commitment to begin that changing in your life. You're allowing God authority over your whole life. And God forgives you because it's in His nature to forgive and He loves you so much. But then, so many people still choose to live in shame of their past sins. And they don't want to live in the forgiveness that God has given them. It's important when you repent that you choose to receive God's forgiveness. God forgives you, but do you? God forgives you, but... Will you approach him like you've been forgiven? So many people are like the woman, the, caught in the act of adultery, she's on the ground down here and, 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 and people want to throw rocks and, and God's like, hey, I, I, I forgive you, go and sin no longer. And she's like, yeah, but did you see what I was just doing? God's like, I forgive you. She's like, no, 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 I, I would pick up a rock. There's a big heavy one over there, God, throw it at me, drop it on my head. So many people treat God like that. God wants to forgive you, and you're like, but did you see what I did? He's like, -uh, I'm choosing not to remember that in how I treat you. So why are you going to remember that in how you treat yourself? Remorse is not shame. Remorse is, of course I wish I didn't do that. But you're not a dog. Listen to me, you are not a dog. Say it again, you're not a dog. Dogs, they get punished, they get get dealt with, and, and then they're tail between their legs. I've seen so many men or women that have had adultery in their marriage, which is not okay. But once it's been dealt with and repented of and forgiven, I still see sometimes where they walk around and, you know, and they're like, well, I'm, uh, I'm not going to pray with my spouse. Or, or a man who's like, I'm not going to lead my family. I'm not, I haven't earned that right. It's like, hey, he forgave you and she forgave you. You're not a dog. So get back up and lead and love the way God called you to. Stop acting like a dog. Receive that forgiveness. Amen. Those who have repented and received their father's forgiveness should live like it never happened. Amen. Pop that up on the screen for a second. Those who have received, sorry, repented and received their father's forgiveness should live like it never happened. Stop living like a wounded dog. You ain't no dog. You're a son. You're a daughter. You are a child of God. Amen. But listen, uh, as well as that, though, we should endeavor to live in a way that it never happens again. That's repentance. In repentance and God's forgiveness, we live like it never happened, but we live in a way that it'll never happen again. Amen? Amen? We're going to have an altar call in a moment. And um, we're going to ask people to come forward for prayer. I've made peace with going over a little bit. um, Less tonight, less today, sorry, than last night. But I think God wants to work on some people. Okay? And, and I'm telling you, last service as well. Phenomenal response to people saying, I want to make it right with God. Some of us have repented but are still living like a dog. You're not a dog. You want to live like a dog? You'll end up going back to your vomit. Shame will drive you right back to your vomit. Don't do that. Remorse, though, will keep you away from your vomit. So, in a moment, I want to see people set free from the shame of it. I want to see people receive that forgiveness and start living like it never happened, but in a way that'll prevent it from happening again. Amen. I also want to pray for people who need to repent and stop just saying, well, this is it. I've done that, or I'm going to keep doing this. No, listen, God demands growth. God demands repentance. And I love you enough to say, "I don't listen, if you are unwilling to change your life, you haven't repented. What does scripture say? If you don't repent, you will perish. I wouldn't look at an individual and say, it means you're not saved. But I can look at a group and say, that behavior leads to hell. I don't want that for any of you. So some of us need to say, I need to change my life. I don't know if it's your thought life. I don't know if like me, it was rage. All I know is this, I thought I was doing well as a Christian, then all of a sudden I had more violence and rage in my heart than I'd ever had in my life. As a mature believer who pastors a pretty big church. So I'm just saying things can come at you at any moment. Not all of you are in that moment right now. And that's okay, you don't have to respond. But many of us are. And so I don't know whether the devil's got things in your head now that you're like controlling, sorry, that that you're now dwelling on, 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 on evil kinds of behaviors. Well, it's time to change. Listen, if you're a believer, like if you really are a real believer, you don't need an exorcism to find deliverance. But you may need repentance. You may need to turn away from your sin and turn back to God. Yes, some people may need a special touch from heaven, may ask God, God, I need supernatural deliverance from A, B, C. Might be sin, might be anxiety, might be depression, might be sickness, might, might, might be their thought life, might be, might be a lust, might, might be rage, I don't know. And sometimes God will supernaturally deliver you from it. I've had it happen in my life and I've had it not happen in my life like that. And Sometimes though, he'll hold your hand, reminding you that he loves you. He's still your father, even as you walk through it. And have to continually shove, continually turn and walk and do the work in your life. But you can and will one day have victory. But today, even before we give people an opportunity to give their lives to Christ, we're going to do this right now. Could everyone stand up with me? Don't run out just yet. I need to go to the restroom as well, but I'm going to stay. For real, I'm going to stay. Okay? Listen to me though. Some of you need to do some business with God. We're not gonna ask you what it is. I'm not gonna. We're not doing that. But right now, if God's speaking to you, maybe you've been acting like a dog, ashamed. Maybe the devil's had room in your thoughts, maybe in your actions, maybe you've said you could have it all, God, you could have it all, but not but not this, but not not this. If you're like, nah and I'm not talking about a little momentary mistake here or there, I'm talking about there's, there's a pattern in, in your life, there's a direction and you're like, God needs to change this God, I need to change this, I need your help come on down the front right now, whoever you are, all over the place come on down, right now, right now come on down, come on down, God bless you God bless you, God bless you, come on, keep coming keep coming, keep coming could be anger, could be rage I don't know what it is come on, come on down, come to the middle my friends come on down, hallelujah hallelujah come on down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.